word uh, for the summit is what? All right, it's an invitation to walk in the grit necessary to follow Jesus. It's the last uh, night of summit. This has been pretty cool, hasn't it? Um, All right, like seven of you believe that. That's cool. I think worship has been amazing. Thank you guys so much. As you walk off, you guys have been fantastic. Uh, We should definitely say a quick thank you to the tech team and all the people uh, that make this stuff happen. Like anything, there's a lot of people behind the scenes that uh, do a lot of work that uh, make everything run. You guys have been so incredibly kind uh, to me, and uh, you guys are really a fun group uh, to teach. You uh, laugh at my dumb jokes, and that makes, uh, means I love you. And uh, thanks to all the nice people that have come up and said hi and uh, uh, said encouraging words, and uh, thanks to all the mean people who stayed away. That's so awesome of you. And, and uh, uh, thanks, Dr. Lowe, uh, for all that you do and, and uh, your humility and, and what you uh, do for this school. So it's the last night of Summit, and uh, I, want to, I want tonight to be a little bit different, at least on uh, what I'm saying. I, I really want tonight uh, to give you a fresh glimpse and to give us a fresh glimpse of how awesome Jesus really is. And uh, I would say it like this, that there is none like Jesus. He is always better than we think he is. Whatever you think he is, he's better than that. The wisdom of his plan is more all-encompassing than you know it is. And the beauty of his character is more multifaceted than you know it is. There's none like Jesus. And so tonight, I, I just want us to get a fresh glimpse of him and of this cross uh, and what he did for us on it and redemption. And uh, so it's almost not a sermon. This is more like a, like a really long invitation to worship is uh, what this is. And so uh, I, I have a short amount of time to do all of that. It sounds like a tall order, but I think I found a never passage that accomplishes all of this. It's in the book of Revelation, chapter 4. And we're going to read all of chapter 4 and chapter 5. If you have a Bible, I would just encourage you to grab it. We're going to be in it and kind of walking through those uh, chapters tonight. Tonight's never takes us right into the throne of God. Tonight we're going to unpack a very epic scene that occurs in heaven. And then we're going to draw some thoughts Uh, from the scene that we're going to describe. And uh, so, uh, again, the aim is to give you a fresh glimpse of Jesus. Uh, Revelation chapter 4 is epic all by itself, but it really is kind of a background set the stage for what happens in Revelation chapter 5. And so, uh, uh, give a glimpse of Jesus, put our hearts and minds on the cross, and inspire us to desire worship. Here we go, Revelation chapter 4. Uh, I just want to look at the first three verses, and then we'll uh, talk about it a a little bit. It says, After this I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. So the Apostle John is like catapulted into heaven. And he's trying to describe what he sees in heaven. He says, and the one who sat, uh, well, at once I was in the spirit and there uh, I was on the throne in heaven. 
uh, there before me was, one, was a throne in heaven with someone, I'll get it right, with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and ruby, a rainbow that, that shone like an emerald encircled the throne. And of course, this is God on the throne. And so he ends up in the throne of heaven. And he sees God in all his glory. That's kind of where it starts. And then in verse 4. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones, and seated on them were 24 elders. These are angels. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their head. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumbling, and peals of thunder. In front of the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. And also in front of the throne was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. And it's almost like uh, you know, there's, you got these 24 uh, angels that are sitting there, and, and you just try to imagine John trying to describe this. He had to, like, remember it and write it down later. And he's like, man, there was lightning and rumbling and peals of thunder, and it was blazing in a sea. And it's almost like he's just coming up with epic things. Like, whatever you can think of that's epic, it was there. It was so awesome. And so you have the throne with God on it, and then you have 24 other thrones with 24 angels. And then in verse 6, he continues. Also in front of the throne were what looked like a sea of glass clear as crystal. In the center around the throne were four living creatures. You have four more angels, and they were covered with eyes in the front and back. These are crazy uh, looking things if you try to describe. Again, he's trying to describe this. The first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third was a face, uh, had a face like a man, and the fourth like a flying eagle. And so you have these angels, and it says that each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. Day and night, they never, there's the never, day and night, they never Stop saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. This is the never verse. They never stop singing. Since they were created and brought into the throne, from being in the presence of God, they were overflowing with this song. The same song, the same chorus over and over and over again. They never stopped worshiping God for his holy and eternal nature. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And it was fresh and new every time. It never got old. God's presence makes the same words new again. You notice that? It was never stale. It had been happening since eternity began. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And it was the only song, the angel who was running like the, the lyrics on the screen, he had the easiest job in all of eternity. He's just sitting there with a button going, come on, I know it's coming. Never changed. And John continues in verse 9. Whenever the living creatures gave glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. And they lay their crown before the throne and say, you are worthy, our Lord, our God, 
to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they are created and have their being. And so whenever the four angels sing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come, the 24 other angels fall to the ground. Think about it. And they've been doing this since forever. And they worship God for being a creator and sustainer of all things. You made all things and you sustain all things. This is the scene of John chapter 4 that the apostle, or, uh, Revelation 4 that John gets catapulted into. This is epic, is it not? This is epic, what's happening. And however epic it is, we're not finished because chapter 4 is just the backdrop to what John really wants to describe happen in, John, in uh, Revelation chapter 5. And however epic chapter 4 is, chapter 5 is all the more epic. So let's turn to it. Then I saw on the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll, even look inside it. And I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside of it. <laughs> this is awesome. We could go on and on about this scroll that's in God's hand. But simply, this is the scroll of redemption. It is the scroll of the gospel is uh, what, what you need to know. And it says that it's sealed with seven seals, meaning it is locked up tight. No one can look at it or look inside it. Nobody can open it. And the mighty angels proclaiming, who is worthy to break the seal and open its scroll? And everyone is silent. No one is found worthy to open the scroll. Salvation is locked up tight. And John is weeping and weeping and weeping. Because the scroll of salvation can't be opened. And then in verse 5, one of the elders said to me, don't weep. See the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and open its seals. Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. The lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into the, all the earth. This is big, and I want you to catch this. John is weeping because no one is worthy. And the angel says, no, 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 don't, you, don't, don't worry. There is one who is worthy. And the angel said, it is the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David. Who has triumphed. Now who is the angel talking about? It's not hard. This is the Bible answer of all times, you guys. <laughs> Who's, who is the angel talking about? He's talking about Jesus. Right? And so John looks, and what does John see? A lamb. Looking as if it had been slain. Who is John talking about? Jesus. You have to catch this. The angel 
and the Apostle John are looking at Jesus at the same time. And the angel sees the lion. And John sees a lamb who was slain. And they're looking at Jesus at the same time. That's crazy, isn't it? Here's what's happening. See, the angels in the throne, you have to catch this, this is huge. The angels in the throne, they have never fallen. They don't, they have never needed redemption. They don't fully understand the cross or salvation or redemption. When they look at Jesus, they see a victorious lion. And they don't really understand how he did it. We know this is true. In uh, 1 Peter, the Apostle Paul tells us, he's, in chapter 1, he's talking all about salvation and, and that the prophets, you know, are wanting to, they, they know that they're speaking about a salvation. And then it says this, even the angels long to look into these things. The angels long to look into salvation. See, the cross didn't make sense to the angels at this time. They wanted to know what it was about. They longed to know what it was about. But they just didn't get it. To them, Jesus was the lion. The, the lion of the tribe of Judah. But John was a fallen man who had been redeemed. And of course, when he looked at Jesus, he saw a lamb who had been slain. And John, you guys get that? And John continues to describe the scene as it unfolds in heaven in verse 7. He, talking about Jesus, went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp and they were, uh, they were uh, golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. So Jesus takes the scroll and the scroll of redemption is opened. And when the scroll of redemption is opened, the angels come to understand redemption. And the four living creatures and the 24 elders fall down in worship. And they start singing a song. Recorded in verse 9. It says, they sang a new song. Sang. Think about this. The angels who had been singing forever, holy, 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 right? Suddenly sing a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood you purchased men from God, from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you've made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God. They sang a new song. Isn't that cool? How long had they been singing the old one? Since forever. Right? From eternity. They never stopped singing the song until they understood the gospel. And then they sing a new song. It's a song about the gospel. You're worthy to take the scroll and open its seals because you were slain. With your blood you purchased people from God, from every tribe, language, and people, and nation. And then John continues. And I looked in verse 11 there. It says, I looked. 
and heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne and, and, and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. See this, the 24 elders and the, and the four living creatures in the throne had sang that song and all the other angels heard it. And they wanted to sing that song too. They understood redemption. And they flooded the throne. Look at it, 10,000 times 10,000 angels flood the throne. And they sing a song to him who sits on the throne, to the Lamb. Be power and honor and glory and praise forever and ever. And the, our, uh, verse 13, right? We'll jump into that. Then I heard every creature, because I love it, because everyone wants to get involved. Like all, all, everyone stops to say, this is redemption. And I heard every creature in heaven on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. And then the four living creatures said amen and the elders fell down and worshiped. That's what happens in John 4 and John 5. Isn't that epic? It's huge. The angels discover redemption. I love this passage. It's one of my favorite in the scripture. And uh, again, I just wanted us to have a fresh glimpse of Jesus tonight. And uh, so that's why I wanted to talk about him. I just want to say a few things, just a couple uh, thoughts from this passage. The first thing I want to say is this. There is none like Jesus. There's no one like him. He stands alone in awesomeness. He is always more awesome than you think he is. Whatever the angels, even the angels didn't see him for all that he was. Whatever you think he is, he's better. And that's not true for anyone else. Right? If, if you were to get to know me, I'm not always better than you think I am. And the same is true with you. But you never learn something about Jesus and get disappointed, do you? You never do. You never find a verse in the Bible that's like, and then Jesus ran out of love. Um, Sorry, you know, it's never that. He's always better. Whatever you think of him, he's better than that. Jesus was more awesome than the angels thought he was. The wisdom of Jesus' plan was more all-encompassing than the angels thought it was. The beauty of Jesus' character was more multifaceted than, they th than the angels thought it was. He was not only a lion, he was a lamb. There is no one like Jesus. And here's something to, uh, just a thought. Notice how fast the angels translate new learning into new worship. I think that's an important lesson for us if we're from reading this passage. I think this is how you keep from getting prideful. Is you translate new learning to new worship. I know a lot of you want to learn new things so you can walk around and tell everyone all you know. Perhaps you should learn new things so that you have a new song to sing. Every time you learn something new, you have something new to worship him about. There is none like Jesus. He was more awesome than you thought he was. And I have uh, another thought. Um, 
about this, the fact that he's more awesome than you think and what happened in the throne. It's just this. The larger Jesus is in your throne, in in, uh, your soul, the larger he is in your soul, the less fear you carry in your heart. The, The larger he is in your soul, the less fear you carry in your heart. And some of you walk around with so much fear. There's all kinds of things to be afraid of in this life. Right? We could, you know, there's clowns, man. Clowns are terrifying, aren't they? There's the future. There's will you get married. There's what are you going to do when you graduate. There's how do you choose this and how do you do that. And, and you guys, we can be wrapped up with fear. You know there's even this thing called option anxiety that's true for you guys. Uh, it's, a whole new, it's a whole new dilemma that your generation gets to, to deal with. It's the fact that you have so many options that, that the options become anxiety-driven. Because every time you get a new option, it comes with uh, more urgency and less clarity. Right? You know about that? Every time you get an option, you have more urgency and less clarity. And it messes you up. And you can be, some of you are, are just crippled by fear. Fear puts walls in your life that aren't really there. Fear tries to make you bow down to it. Fear is actually a sin. It's actually a sin. And I don't know that you overcome fear by addressing it directly. I think you overcome fear in your heart by making Jesus larger in your soul. I think that's the answer to fear. I could go on, I won't. That's the first thing. There's no one like Jesus. Here's the second thing. When you read that uh, Revelation passage, if the gospel didn't change you, you still don't get it. If, if it didn't change you, you still don't get it. The angels didn't get it, and as soon as they got it, it changed everything for them. And if, you, if the gospel hasn't wrecked you, changed you, changed what you care about, changed where your money goes, your time goes, your energy goes, if it hasn't changed you, you still don't get it. When you get the gospel, you understand that it's God's great power to meet man's great need. And it changes you. Here's the last thought, and we'll be done. Invite the worship team back up. Uh, Jesus conquered sin, uh, and he conquered the world, not as the lion, but as the lamb. Isn't that interesting? He conquered it as the lamb. He's the lamb of God who was slain to take away the sins of the world. The angels couldn't figure it out until the seal was opened, right? They couldn't figure out until he grabbed it that he had conquered the world not with force and power, but with love and surrender. Not by rising up, but by pouring himself out. He won by being a lamb. I get to uh, help people become spiritual leaders. I I get to talk to lots of people who want to change the world. And... uh, Spiritual leadership has a lion, you know, part to it. You get to make decisions and set direction and people follow you and all that kind of stuff and gifting and strength and ability and that's all part of it. But most of us focus on that and we forget that Jesus conquered the world by being a lamb, not by being a lion. We forget the lamb side to spirituality, all the, the, uh, spiritual leadership. Because if you're going to be a spiritual leader, if you're going to change this world for God, then you're going to have to follow Jesus 
the lamb who was slain. The lamb side of leadership is about pouring yourself out. It's about sacrifice. It's about offering your life up, surrendering to suffering for the sake of others. It's about spending uh, much of your time without anyone saying thank you. And that's okay. Uh, Often in spiritual leadership, the very people you're pouring your life out for are criticizing you and turning on you. And that's okay. That happened to Jesus. As a matter of fact, you're never more like Jesus than when you're offering your life up for people who don't deserve you. When you do that, you're a lamb who is slain. Christianity, at its core, produces martyrs who die for love as opposed to martyrs who kill for hate. Christianity at its core produces lambs who would be slain for the sake of others. And if you want to change the world, understand that our model of changing the world is not successful business people or a person standing in front of a bunch of people talking. That is not the picture of success. The picture of success for a spiritual leader or for anyone is God on a cross dying for the sake of people who don't deserve him. Jesus conquered the world with weeping, with suffering, with surrender, and with sacrifice. He conquered by being the lamb. One time the disciples were arguing over who got to be the greatest. And Jesus said these words to them. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them. Their high officials exercise authority over them, but not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man didn't come to serve, uh, to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. What I love about this is Jesus doesn't say, hey, whoever wants to be great, don't be great. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, whoever wants to be great, that's a terrible idea. What he says is, whoever wants to be great, don't be great like the world wants you to be great. Don't lord it over, people. Put the lion away and pick up the lamb. Greatness in the world's eyes is about measuring how large the lion is, and greatness in God's eyes is about the the lamb who was slain. God raises up armies of lambs. And uh, so that's what I came to share tonight. I'll just say again uh, what I said at the beginning, and then I'll pray for us. No, there's none like Jesus. There is none like him. And I hope this gave us a fresh glimpse of him and his cross and led us into worship. There's none like him. He is more awesome than we think he is. Whatever we think, he's better. The wisdom of his plan for our lives is more all-encompassing than we know it is. And the beauty of his character is more multifaceted than we know it is. There's no one like him. Let's pray together. We'll be done. So, Father, thank you so much uh, for tonight. And thank you for this scripture and these words. It's truly an epic scene in heaven. Grateful that we get to be a part of it. And, uh, Father, as we worship, uh, won't you, uh, in worship, give us a fresh glimpse of who you are. And, uh, God, help us to honor you. Thanks for what you've done this summit. Thanks for what you did this morning. That was awesome. All the people responding. Thank you for uh, the way that uh, uh, surely people, uh, you know, came to Christ. Surely people rededicated their lives to Christ. 
and uh, surely you gave people in the room a fresh glimpse of your love for them. And God, we're grateful for that. We're grateful for what you've done. God, tonight, won't you make Jesus larger in our souls so that fear would vanish from our hearts and help us to conquer this world by laying down our lives for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you guys. Thanks for having me. Well, dear ones, I'd like to greet you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. As the curtains for Summit 2015 begin to come and begin to close, there are two things that I would like to do. First thing is I want to spend some time giving some words of thanks. As Pastor Miles has already shared, summits like this just don't happen. It takes a lot of planning, and in fact, it takes quite a few months for it to happen. I just want to give some words he's already given and recognize some people already. First of all, I really do want to thank the people that do tech and the lighting for us and do all the setup on the stage. They are the hidden servants that many times never really get the applause of man, but without them, we could not do what we do. Will you do me a favor? Will you show your appreciation to them? There are individuals that are in the front. In fact, it's interesting to me in my devotions, I've been in Second Chronicles, and it's interesting is that the Lord comes and he appoints different ones to be individuals that will lead the community in singing praises to the Lord. Well, I think that happened this week with the worship team. Did a wonderful, wonderful job of leading us to the throne of God, and I felt they did it in such a wonderful, gracious way. Will you show your appreciation to the worship team, please? I shared in a green room before we came, we came out here during a time of prayer that this has been a very, very special summit for me. I'm not, I can't even pinpoint why. But I sense maybe it was special because I sense that the speaker was speaking many times to my own heart. Even tonight as he was sharing, it spoke very deep to my heart. And so Pastor Miles, I want you to know it has been very, very special having you here. What you need to understand is that being a speaker for something like this, one service after another service after another service, it really does become very, very wearing physically. But at the same time, we recognize that we have the power of the Holy Spirit, but physically a person can still get very, very drained. This is what I'm going to ask you to do. Miles, I'm going to ask that if you would just stand up where you are. If there are individuals around Miles, will you do me a favor? Will you surround him and come along and just lay your hands upon him? And then, Dylan, I'm going to ask you to come on up here. I'm going to give you the mic. I want you to say a prayer over Pastor Miles that the Lord will come along and give him renewed strength after he's given so much to our community. Lord God, we thank you for Pastor Miles. Lord, we thank you for all the words that you gave him to speak, and Lord, that he was truly your mouthpiece these few days. Lord, right now, I just pray that you bless him for all that he's done in this community. Lord, that you fill him back up, but Lord, that you don't just fill him up, but you allow him to overflow so he can continue to pour into others and still be filled himself. Lord, we thank you for him, and Lord, we love him, and I pray that he has safe travels on the way back home. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you. We do me a favor. Will you show your appreciation to Pastor Miles again?
And then I'd like to share a story that some of you have heard already. I've been in this role of dean of the chapel now for eight years. The first summit in which I was supposed to give supervision to, one of the things that began happening was this, is that at the end of every service, the people were leaving the auditorium and they began talking about stuff like this. The musicians were wonderful. The lighting was really cool. And then they were talking about how wonderful the speaker was. And that was, all that was true. But there was a problem, though, and a problem, and I couldn't figure out what it was until I began thinking about it all night long. And it dawned on me is that even though we had great people doing tech, and even though we had great worship leaders, and even though we had a great speaker, can I share, dear ones, even though they're wonderful, the reality is that our focus has to be upon the Lord Jesus Christ. That's who we should be talking about. That's what Pastor Miles was really talking about even tonight. The focus has to be upon the cross of Jesus Christ. And so we're going to do something that we do many times after a summit service, and then I'm going to lead us into a second part of what I want to do before we finally close the curtains of Summit 2015. I'm going to ask that you will focus your eyes upon the cross of Jesus Christ. I just want you to sit there in silence, and we're going to dim the lights for that to happen. We're going to dim the lights, and I want you just to focus upon the cross. And then when you feel after a time of silence, I'm going to ask you, out of sincerity of your hearts, I'm going to come along, I'm going to ask you to come and show your gratitude to the Lord by applauding him. Because even though we've applauded man, the reality is that they were only successful because of what God was doing through them these past few days. And so will you do me a favor? In silence, will you focus your hearts and your minds and your eyes upon the cross of Jesus Christ? Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and worship and strength and honor and glory and praise. Will you do me a favor? Will you show appreciation for Jesus Christ and what he has done for us? Jesus Christ came along and stated these words. 
Whoever acknowledges me before men, him will I acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. I think it's wonderful that we can come and look at a cross, and I think it's wonderful that we can come and to give gratitude to him by our applause. But I think that there's one more thing that we can do to come along and recognize and to come along and acknowledge him before others who are around us. When I was working in Africa, one of the things that would happen is that the Africans, the churches were very, very small. But anytime you put up a cross like this, the Africans wanted the others in the, in the congregation to know that what they thought about the cross, that it was very, very precious and valuable to them. And so what they would do is that they would many times come along and they would take their requests and their prayer requests or whatever, or praises, and they would write them on a piece of paper. And then they would come and they would take little thumbtacks and they would actually stick it onto the cross. Then they would come along and they would just spend a few moments at the cross, laying their hand upon it after sticking their piece of paper up there. Again, as their sign to the other people in this congregation that their focus is upon the cross, recognizing that all that they have and all that they need and all that praise goes to him. Well, you need to know the past few days, Pastor Miles has really been leading us on a feast of truth. The first time he spoke to us, he talked about the promises that God gives to all of us and that we are never to let go of them. The second time he spoke, he talked about prayer. And dear ones, I'm not sure about you, but I still believe that the God I serve is a God that is still able to answer prayers. And there are many of you inside this room right here that you have needs inside your life that you really need to come, and you need to take those needs, and I challenge you to write them on a sticky note that's up here on a platform, and as you write it down, coming along and doing so as a means of saying, I now surrender those needs and coming on a stage, and we're inviting you to do this, coming upon a stage and laying and taking that piece of paper and sticking it upon a cross. Or if you want, you can let, come along and lay it upon the kneelers as your way of saying, I'm putting it at the altar. And then on one of the nights that he was sharing, he talked about passion and zeal, that we are individuals, that yes, we can be passionate, but you better have a zeal that never, ever goes away. And I share there are some of you inside this room that still need to deal with that inside your life, that your Christianity is not based just on passion and feelings, but it is based on you having a zeal that never goes away for the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? And then I'm not sure about you, but this morning, as has already been shared, what a beautiful scene of individuals who came forward and stated that, hey, first of all, my walk may not be where it needs to be, but today I'm going to renew that walk with Christ. I believe that there were individuals that came up here because they wanted to come and, to, and for the first time accept Jesus Christ as their own personal Savior. And I thought to myself for tonight, what a wonderful thing it would be for some of those individuals to take a sticky note and say, thank you, Lord, for salvation, or thank you, Lord, for the infilling of your Holy Spirit and coming and laying it then upon the cross or upon one of the kneelers as your way of saying, thank you, Jesus. And then tonight, the focus once again is upon the cross. And so I've asked the worship team if they would come on, and they're going to lead us in some songs. All along the front of the stage, you're going to find that there's some pens, and there are some sticky notes. I invite you during this time of worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ, that those of you that feel comfortable doing this, coming forward, writing down a praise, writing down a need, writing down whatever you want to say to the Lord. Feel free to stick them on the kneelers, or feel free to come on a platform, and again, coming to the cross, putting it upon the cross, laying your hand upon the cross is your way of saying you surrender what you've written to the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you understand what I'm asking you to do?
And so, dear ones, will you join us and join me in praising the Lord, but then also feeling free then to come and responding in a very special way. Worship team, lead us, please.